Do you have a stubborn child who is determined to live by his own set of rules? Is your one toe over the line little darling challenging your authority at every turn? Are you unsure of how to spot the difference between strong-willed and willful defiance? Well, then we're so glad you're joining us for today's episode. I'm your host, Katie Morgan, and welcome to Parenting with Ginger Hubbard. Ginger is the best-selling author of Don't Make Me Count to Three, Wise Words for Moms, and I Can't Believe You Just Said That. She speaks at women's events, parenting conferences, and homeschool conventions across the country. You can check out her parenting resources and find out when she's speaking in or near your area at gingerhubbard.com. If you enjoy this podcast and find it encouraging, would you prayerfully consider partnering with us by making a monthly or even a one-time donation? Whether it's a dollar a month or $20 a month, your support helps to sustain this podcast and keep it on the air. If you feel led to partner with us, please just go to gingerhubbard.com support to donate any amount. Thank you so much, listeners, for your support, which enables us to further our mission to help parents reach the hearts of their children for the glory of God. When our kids watch secular shows or read secular books, they'll often come across something that directly contradicts the Bible. And they'll ask a question like, is that true, mom? Did we come from apes? Is the earth billions of years old? Are there aliens on other planets? Our kids are growing up in a world that desperately needs the light of God's word. And it's increasingly more important to me that the resources I use to educate my kids are from a biblical worldview. This is why our family uses BJU Press. They offer trusted resources for homeschooling through video courses or parent-led instruction. Our family uses BJU Press video courses, and I love the fact that they are taught by knowledgeable and engaging experts in their fields. And what's really great about the video courses is that all three of our kids, including our first grader, can work independently and at their own pace. But if you would rather facilitate your child's homeschooling, if that's more your speed, BJU Press offers numerous resources so that you can manage the different learning styles of your child, know what your student is learning so you can influence instruction, and create a totally customized learning experience. BJU Press Homeschool offers resources to meet the educational needs of your family in a way that will equip your kids for a life of gospel impact. Just go to BJUPressHomeschool.com and get what you need to give your child a solid biblical education. Again, that's BJUPressHomeschool.com. Well, Ginger, I'm excited that we're addressing this topic since it's one where Many parents are likely at a loss for what to do, but I'm curious to know if there was any particular reason you wanted to do an episode specifically about strong-willed children. Well, I've been writing and speaking on the topic of biblical parenting now for over 20 years, and so I have just heard parents all over the country excuse their children's disobedience for various reasons. But I have to say that in all my years of being in ministry, the top number one most common excuse by a landslide for disobedience I've heard from parents is, my child is just stubborn, or my child is just strong-willed. Well, you know, I like to start out with a clear definition for our listeners just to make sure we're all on the same page. So tell us, Ginger, what you mean by a strong-willed child. That's a good idea, Katie, to always define what we're talking about to make sure that we are all in tune with exactly what we are are saying here. Um, As a matter of fact, I think it would be helpful if we take a look at a worldly definition versus a biblical definition of what it means to be strong-willed because they are 
quite different. Mm. I found that the easiest way to get a worldly definition of anything is to simply Google it. It's usually <laughs> the first one to come up, or nowadays it's uh, usually the first several dozen to come up. In fact, it's becoming harder and harder to find a biblical definition of anything unless you go straight to the source, the Bible. Right. The first definition that came up from my Google search of a strong-willed child said this, strong-willed kids are spirited and courageous. They want to learn things for themselves rather than accepting what others say, so they test the limits over and over. They want desperately to be in charge of themselves and will sometimes put their desire to be right above everything else. So according mm. to this definition, there are basically three characteristics that help us identify a strong-willed child. They test the limits because they don't want to accept counsel or instruction from others. They want to be in charge of their own lives, and they put their desire to be right above everything else. The biblical definition of children who exhibit these characteristics is not strong-willed. But before we get into that, I want us to first acknowledge the clever wording of the Google definition that I just read to you, because as always, the world has a way of making the sin of self-centeredness sound so glamorous. Well, that was my first thought when you read it. That is some serious positive spin they've put on it. <laughs> it really is. And, you know, I found it interesting that in that definition, before it listed the three characteristics, the first sentence stated that strong-willed kids are spirited and courageous. And they even put the word spirited and courageous in bold print, <laughs> just to make sure we get that right out of the gate. It's pretty clever. Before listing the characteristics that God's word calls foolish and sinful, the definition is prefaced by stating that strong-willed kids are spirited and courageous, because that is what the world would like for us to believe. Mm -hmm. That's one of the big problems with worldly theology. It celebrates characteristics and behaviors that God's Word clearly commands against. So it's important that we use discernment and ask God to help us see through these clever antics, because we know from 1 Corinthians 3.19 that the wisdom of this world is foolishness in God's sight. Well, and I want to point out that this is the reason why I was and am so drawn to your parenting books and to your wise words for mom's chart, because there are countless books that claim to offer Christian parenting help, but not all of them use God's word to inform what they teach. And some, if they do use scripture, use it like a seasoning rather than the main ingredient. So this is likely why you've had so many parents come to you and ask what to do about their strong-willed children. Yeah, because they're hearing about that term uh, more and more, like you said, Katie, even in Christian books. And just for the record, we're not here to say that all the books about strong-willed children are providing false information that's not helpful. I read one book in particular about strong-willed children that was very popular when my children were growing up, and it, it did give me some really good insights into how different bents and temperaments play a part in how children behave and learn. But today, we're going to take a look at how we might view the Term strong-willed in a different light and in accordance with the scripture. Since there is such an emphasis on strong-willed children being spirited and courageous, let's break down this Google definition into two parts based on that assumption. The first part implies that the spirited and courageous child is unwilling to accept the wisdom and counsel of others to the extent that they test the limits over and over. So let's set this up as it pertains to parental authority and the world's definition of a strong-willed child being courageous. 
Five-year-old spirited Susie decides she wants to climb the ladder Dad left propped up against the house to see what's on the roof. She's not willing to accept that Dad told her the ladder is dangerous and that she's not allowed to go near it. So she decides to test the limits of her dad's authority by climbing the ladder. Spirited Susie is not being courageous. She's being disobedient, so much so that she's putting her life in danger. Yeah, spirited Susie is going to end up a staples in her head, Susie. And that's the problem with classifying willful disobedience in such a positive light. Our kids aren't being spirited when they do something dangerous that we've told them not to do. They're being foolish. So spirited, in my mind, is a child who is carefree, energetic, and enthusiastic. And let's get crazy here and consider the fact that we're raising future adults. So if spirited Susie decided to steal some petty cash from her office, she wouldn't tell her employer, I'm sorry, I'm just spirited. No, she'd be shackled, Susie. <laughs> this is bordering on a book idea for me, Gender. How, how not to raise a shackled Susie. I think it would be super politically correct and wouldn't be controversial at all. No. There you go. (laughs) Anyway, Ginger, I like how you laid out a scenario to give us a clear picture of how spirited and courageous is not an accurate characteristic of a strong-willed child. So how about you give us another scenario for the second part of the world's definition as it pertains to parental authority and the strong-willed child being of spirited and courageous character? Mm -hmm. Sure. The second part states that strong-willed children want desperately to be in charge of themselves and will sometimes put their desire to be right above everything else. Six-year-old spirited Sam is intrigued by dad's toolbox. Dad has told him numerous times that he's not allowed to touch things in the toolbox because there are sharp objects that could hurt him. Even though dad has assured Sam that one day he will be old enough to learn how to safely handle the tools, Sam decides that his dad is wrong about him being too young and that he's old enough to be in charge of himself. So he begins to pull all of the tools out of the toolbox. Mm. Spirited Sam is not being courageous. He's being disobedient. Why do all of the kids in your scenarios end up in the emergency room, Ginger? (laughs) Now we have sutured Sam. This is just not good. (laughs) Probably because I was one of those kids who wound up in the emergency room a lot. (laughs) So that was the norm for me. All right. So let me give you one more example. But this time, time let's use an older child. I'll use myself as an example because I was often labeled a strong-willed teenager. Mm. My parents gave me a curfew because their philosophy was that nothing good ever happens after midnight. Except for snacks. But go ahead. (laughs) Well, so I decided that my parents were wrong and that I was right and that there were plenty of good things to do after midnight. So I decided to take charge of my own life. And I made it a regular weekend habit of sneaking out of the house after my parents went to bed. And guess what? I got into a lot of bad things that happened after midnight. Mm. Every one of those nights that I shifted my car into neutral and pushed it out of the driveway and down the street so my parents wouldn't hear the engine crank. I wasn't being courageous. I was being disobedient. And I never got caught, but I suffered a lot of natural consequences because of my disobedience. Now, I do want to say that if you're a teenager and you're listening to this podcast, I really hope you didn't just get any new ideas (laughs) because my advice is don't do it. Your parents are right. Go to bed. Proverbs 14, 12 tells us that there is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, it leads to destruction. And that was certainly true in my life. And I've witnessed that same truth numerous times in the lives of many children, young and old, who refuse to accept 
instructions from their parents and who wanted to be in charge of their own lives. I've also witnessed the consequences of children uh, who suffer when parents excuse their disobedience as being strong-willed. Mm-hmm. The Bible commands parents to train their children in the wisdom of the Lord, and it makes no exceptions to that command. And the beauty of it is that not only does the fulfillment of that command please God, but it also blesses our children. Deuteronomy 5.16 is the first command with a promise, and that promise is for children who choose to obey their parents. That verse says, Honor your father and mother as the Lord God has commanded you so that you may live long and that it may go well with you in the land the Lord God has given you. Mm. Well, just to recap, the world would have us believe that kids who are strong-willed are actually courageous. And so they, number one, test the limits because they don't want to accept counsel or instruction from others. Number two, they want to be in charge of their own lives. And number three, they put their desire to be right above everything else. So, Ginger, easy question. What does the Bible call a person, child or adult, who exhibits these characteristics? Well, Katie, you actually mentioned it earlier, and I was really hoping to build up to that moment, but you completely stole my thunder. That's why I'm here, always. (laughs) What would I do without you? (laughs) (laughs) Well, the Bible says a person who exhibits these characteristics is a fool. Exactly. Proverbs 18.2 says, It's foolish to not be willing to listen and gain understanding from the wisdom of others. That verse says, The fool does not delight in understanding, but in airing his own opinion. The child who is unwilling to listen to advice and accept instruction, the child who believes he's always right and has nothing to learn from others and refuses to obey his parents, That's not a strong-willed child who's living wisely. That's a weak-willed child who's living foolishly. Mm -hmm. Proverbs 19.20 says, listen to advice and accept instruction, and in the end, you will be wise. Oh, that's good. Well, Ginger, before we get to that last quality of a strong-willed child, I want to point out one thing you just said. I know we've mentioned this on the podcast before, but I really like how our friend Sonia Schaefer talks about well, everything, but especially how she talks <laughs> about strong-willed children. And Sonia often quotes the late, great British educator, Charlotte Mason. And Charlotte said this about the will and how it shapes our character. Character is the result of conduct regulated by will. So we say, so-and-so has a great deal of character. Another person is without character. And we might express the fact equally by saying, so-and-so has a vigorous will. Such another has no force of will. We all know of lives rich in gifts and graces, which have been wrecked for the lack of a determining will. So in other words, our character is shaped by the strength of our will. So to call a child who is disobedient or obstinate a strong-willed child, I think is really a misnomer. Mm -hmm. Of course, we all know what a parent means when they say their child is strong-willed. We don't imagine when they say, oh, Joey is so strong-willed that Joey waited patiently at the checkout line when he was hungry and told he could have no candy. No, we picture a full-on public display of belligerent behavior (laughs) when the parent Uh says, this child is strong-willed. That's right. But, But I do like the way Charlotte Mason reminds us that the strength of our will is a positive character trait, not a negative one. Mm -hmm. So it might be a helpful shift in our thinking if we consider this perspective, because if our child had, God forbid, some illness that weakened his muscles, for example, we would do everything we could to exercise and strengthen those muscles. And it's the same with a child's will. We exercise and strengthen their weak will so that they will grow in character. 
So Ginger, onto that last quality of a strong-willed, which is really a weak-willed child. The all-knowing Google says that they have a determination to be in charge of their own lives. So tell us more about that. The Bible says it's foolish, not courageous, to believe that we're in charge of our own lives. We are not our own. We were bought at a price through the precious blood of Jesus. Paul reminded us of this in 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20 when he said, Do you not know that your bodies are a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Mm. If we want to raise our children in the ways of the Lord, we must teach them that they don't belong to themselves. They belong to Jesus, which means their bodies are not their own. Their time is not their own. And they're not free to go about living their lives, doing whatever they please. They've been purchased at a price to do the will of the Father and that which pleases Him. And the beauty of this that we want our kids to take hold of is that because they were purchased out of sin, they're no longer slaves to sin. They've been rescued from hell-bound slavery and adopted by their Father in heaven as His children. They've been set free. That is good news. Amen. In Romans chapter 6, verses 6 and 7, Paul sums it up like this. He said, For we know that our old self was crucified with him, so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin, because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. A few verses down, he goes on to say, Count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer Offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. For sin shall no longer be your master because you were not under the law, but under grace. We want to get our children excited about this by helping them understand that Jesus bought for them the priceless gift of being adopted by the Father as His very children, where they get to live in the mercy and grace of His presence and share in His rich and eternal inheritance. That's exciting. But they do have a choice. And ultimately, it's a choice that no matter how hard we try, we cannot make for them. They get to decide who or what will be their master because the reality of it is that whoever and whatever they obey is indeed their master. Paul said in Romans 6, 16, don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one you obey? Whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. The truth of the matter is that our kids will either be mastered by sin or they'll be mastered by Jesus. Our job is to help them understand that being a slave to sin leads to death, but being a slave to God leads to life. Okay, I want to point out something you mentioned a minute ago that I believe we are failing at as the people of God in our modern culture. And I do have hope, though, that we can change this if we're aware of it. But the idea that we are not our own is completely foreign to those who don't know Christ. Mm -hmm. They would say... Everything you just said, Ginger, is offensive, probably abusive, and maybe even downright crazy that we are not our own. My body is not my own. But my concern is that even the people who claim the name of Christ have given into this lie that we live on our own little pleasure islands where we are joined only by those people who don't trigger or annoy us. And we cordon ourselves off from any businesses or individuals who don't speak, act, or vote like us. 
we seek our own comfort and enjoyment at all costs, mainly through our screens. And we do occasionally venture off our islands to go to churches that meet our desires and provide the programs we find interesting. And when they don't meet our desires, we then return to our islands to search until we find a church online that could be thousands of miles away and does meet our desires. Church then becomes a spectator sport. Mm. And scripture says we are not our own, but we often treat our churches, our spouses, our kids, our employers, our friends, and our neighbors as if they exist to serve us rather than the other way around. So I would just encourage our listeners, you know, ask your pastor how many people come up to him and say, how can I serve the church, pastor? I bet there aren't very many people who do that. Instead, we take a church equivalent of a Myers-Briggs personality test to learn our spiritual gifts so that we can serve in a way that interests us the most. Now, I'm not hating on churches that do that, by the way. I just want to highlight that we have become so reluctant to serve others in our culture. We are far more content living our lives in this perpetual state of Netflix and chill that we have forgotten how to live like Christ. Mm. And I say all of that to wake us up to a potential reason that we are raising such a me-focused generation. It's really hard to raise a child of integrity and strong moral character when we ourselves are busy navel-gazing or looking on our devices and seeking our own pleasure. I'm not saying we're lazy. We are not lazy people. We are very busy people. Everyone everywhere is extremely busy. But my question to all of us, and believe me, I have gone on this entire rant based on what I know are my own weaknesses. My question to all of us is this. What are we busy doing? Are we busy doing the things that further God's kingdom? Or are we busy seeking our own desires or those desires that we have for our own families? Mm. That's a good rant, Katie. (laughs) We have become a pleasure-seeking, me-focused generation. And you summed up the reason for that when you said that we exist to serve ourselves. But that's not the example that Jesus set for how we are to live as Christians. Matthew chapter 20 explains that we exist to serve others, not ourselves. Verse 28 says, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. But you're right, Katie, we tend to live our lives not asking, how can I serve others and how can I serve my church, but how can they serve me? Mm-hmm. Our kids are watching us live out this mentality, and then we wonder how we've raised a generation of self-centered, entitled children who only want to be served. Mm-hmm. But that's a whole other episode for another time. we, we got to get <laughs> no, off this bandwagon. Yes. All right. <laughs> the characteristics we've talked about today of children being unwilling to listen to advice, accept instruction, or submit to authority, those are willful characteristics. But are they characteristics that represent willful, high-spirited children with courage to do what's right? No. They're characteristics that represent willful, haughty-spirited, weak children who are enslaved to the trappings of this world. Listen to what James chapter 1, verses 14 and 15 say about children who live this way. And then consider if it's the description of one who is strong-willed or weak-willed. Those verses say, each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin and sin, when it's full grown, gives birth to death. Think about that. Is it a strong-willed or a weak-willed person who allows themselves to be dragged away by their own evil desires and enticed to the point that it leads to their own destruction? That's a no-brainer. 
we had friends over the other night to play cards, and we're all trying to watch what we eat. Uh, so being the good friend that I am, I passed around a big bowl of chocolate bars. And at first, about half nice. of us, <laughs> at first, about half of us resisted that temptation. But of course, as the night went on and the bowl kept making its way around the table, we eventually all gave in. And, you know, it's funny because I really am not that much of a, cho- a chocolate lover. I don't even like it that much. And I've been determined to not snack and eat junk food because I've already purchased the dress for my daughter's wedding, so I want to stay the same size I am, but I ate two Snickers and a Milky Way. (laughs) I knew it was not what I needed to do, but it was what I wanted to do. I didn't indulge in two Snickers and a Milky Way because I'm strong-willed. No, I gave in to that temptation because I'm weak-willed. Okay, hang on. Are are we talking full-size candy bars No, it was the little bite-sized ones. Okay. It's a, it's a okay. Ones. Yeah. All right. I, I get. To, I totally get your point. I do want to point out one thing too, too, though, Ginger, is that this story is a really good example of why we ought to be compassionate with our children. I know we've gone on this whole episode, you know, about how this is foolishness, but we we in the same ways fail Mm -hmm. and do not show the same kind of strength of will that we want for our children. And we have the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. So I want to just emphasize the compassion that I want to have for my kids as I'm guiding them in this way Mm -hmm. and not as an, look at you, you fool. But, you know, we are in this together. We are here to encourage that's encourage right. our kids. That's right. And we see that I see that you have a weak will just like I do. So I want to come mm-hmm. alongside you and help strengthen that will. Exactly. Because to be to be weak-willed is to give in to that which we know we should not do. It's to allow ourselves to be dragged away and enticed by our own impulses and desires. To be strong-willed is to say no to the desires of the flesh and live a disciplined life. Mm -hmm. Susie knew that she shouldn't disobey her dad by climbing the ladder, but she gave in to her own impulses and desires because it's what she wanted. Sam knew that he shouldn't disobey and play in his dad's toolbox, but he gave in to his own impulses and desires because it's what he wanted. I knew that I shouldn't have disobeyed my parents by sneaking out at night, but I gave in to my own impulses and desires because, again, it's what I wanted. It's always easier to do what we want. It takes a strong will to deny ourselves what we want to do in order to do what we should do. And for children of God, that means that we love and pursue God's will more than our own. 1 John 2, verses 15 through 17 says, Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. Katie, I actually first heard this concept of strong-willed versus weak-willed from you, and I know you first heard it, as you mentioned earlier, from Sonia Schaefer, who heard it from Charlotte Mason. <laughs> well, I do think it would be really helpful to link to Sonia's resources, as we do in nearly half of our episodes, mm-hmm. because she's so great, uh, just just to give that practical application side of it because she does have some great information on that. Yeah, let's do that because this episode really was more about understanding uh, biblical biblical differences in strong-willed versus weak-willed kids. But I do know Sonia, like you said, Katie, has some practical tips as far as coming alongside our weak-willed children to help strengthen their will. So listeners, uh, check those out in the show notes and we'll be sure to include them there. 
Now, Ginger, we've compared and contrasted a worldly and a biblical definition of strong-willed. I think it would be helpful if you can sum up what we've concluded about strong-willed versus weak-willed children. Sure. Let me just give a brief definition of both to summarize. Weak-willed children are dragged away and enticed by their own sinful desires and live undisciplined lives for themselves. Strong-willed children say no to their own sinful desires and live disciplined lives for the glory of God. Now is the part of our show where we give a quick tip for parents. Today's quick tip is courtesy of Kimberly in California, and she says this, I actually got this tip from a blogger, Erin, sunny side up, but I thought it was so smart and would be helpful to share with other moms. She puts two bins in her kids' closets labeled too big and too small. This way, you can store items that you've bought that don't quite fit yet in an easily accessible place so you don't forget about them. That's genius. And then for the too small bin, our kids can help us clear out the closets with items that no longer fit rather than stuffing them back in their drawers. Ginger. You know I love any quick tip that involves organization and plastic containers. Mm-hmm. So do this I. One made me, yeah, this one made me really happy. I love this idea. <laughs> I'm sure you are so organized. <laughs> you guys should see Katie's house. I mean, everything <laughs> is in its own bin, its own tub, and organized neatly on favorite. all these shelves. Yeah. You get that from I your mom. It. She's like that too. I do. Yeah. yeah. I've I've <laughs> done tours of her sewing room before because it just cracks me up. And my husband, we do, we pick on my mom a little bit about it because she'll have a plastic container of like mini pine cones. And I'm like, mom. Tell me, tell me when in your life you're going to need to go into your sewing room and pull out the container of mini pine cones. Now she'll listen to this and go, oh, I know exactly when I'm going to use mini pine cones. (laughs) She she probably does. Yeah, she does, but she's very crafty. But anyway, she's an incredible organizer. So thank you, Kimberly, for your tip. I really appreciate you sharing that. If you have a quick tip for our show, we would love to hear from you. It can be any random tip about cooking, housekeeping, something you do with your kids, ideas for fun date nights with your spouse, anything at all. We would love to share your ideas on the podcast. Just go to gingerhubbard.com slash quick tips to submit those. Well, thank you, Ginger, for helping us to be discerning as we try to shepherd our kids well and lead them toward wisdom rather than foolishness. So can you please leave us with a final word of encouragement? Let's teach our children that the only way to overcome a weak will is by asking God to help them live in His will. And then when they cry out to Jesus in their weaknesses, He will give them strength. So let's encourage them to be strong pursuers of Jesus, children who say no to the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, and yes to the will of God. Thank you, Ginger, and thank you, listeners, for joining us. If you enjoyed our show and want to hear more, please subscribe to our podcast wherever you're listening. And while you're there, could you leave us a rating or a review? This truly helps us get the word out about our podcast so that other parents can be encouraged to reach the hearts of their children. Do you have a parenting question? Well, we invite you to submit it at gingerhubber.com slash askginger, and we'll do our best to answer it in a future episode. And while you're on the website, you can find our show notes, which will include links to anything we mentioned in today's episode. While you're on gingerhubbard.com, you can find Ginger's wonderful resources that will help you get to the heart of outward behavior and address it from a biblical perspective. Not sure which resources to get? Well, today we're offering a bundle deal of all of Ginger's resources at a $25 discount. This includes her parenting books and study guides, the wise words for mom's chart, as well as the CD and digital download of her audio series called Reaching the Heart of Your Child. Listeners, this is a $95 value for just $70. And if you use the code parenting at gingerhubbard.com, you can get an additional 10% off this already great deal. 
If you'd like daily encouragement and parenting advice from Ginger, be sure to follow her on Instagram at ginger.hubbard. And you can connect with me on Instagram at Katie in a Corner. That's K-A-T-Y in a Corner. Thank you so much for joining us today. We really look forward to being with you again next week. Until then, may God bless you as you seek to reach the hearts of your children for the glory of God.